you have your Bibles, there's Bibles at the back, or what, the verses will come up on the screen in a few minutes. Matthew 13. And we're returning to the teaching of Jesus' famous parable of the sower. Last week we undertook something of an overview of this wonderful parable. We saw that the seed that is sown is the word of God. That's where our confidence must rest in the ministry of the word. And the sower is the Lord Jesus Christ. So even when we're sowing the seed, telling our friends that Jesus saves, telling our friends about Jesus, it is still the risen Christ by the Holy Spirit who is speaking in the scriptures. And last week we saw in the third place that the seed is sown rather wonderfully indiscriminately without regard to the type of person who hears the word, or the possibility of their response. All people are to hear the word, without distinction and without restriction, at the invitation of God to come and receive his mercy, freely offered to them in the Lord Jesus. It goes to all. And then finally, the seed is sown in the heart. The heart is where our response to the word is made. So we must take good care how we hear the word, we must do all we can to plough up the stony ground and respond to the word that is preached to us in faith and your obedience. Now beginning this morning, we're going to go back and we're going to take time to look at each one of those four possible responses to the word of which the human heart is capable, starting today with the seed that is sown along the path. It's the picture of an unreceptive heart. And as we think about Jesus' teaching... At this point, I want you to notice three things in particular that Jesus offers us a diagnosis we must face and a danger we must avoid and also a duty we must fulfil. Before we look at these themes, let's pray before we read God's word. It's holy ground. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are the word. You are the great sower. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you would sow the seed of your word in the soil of our hearts. And I cry that none of the seed may fall by the roadside upon unreceptive hearts, but it may fall on good soil. So, Holy Spirit, give me the words to speak well of Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. This is God's word. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Continuing at verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Amen. We thank the Lord he's spoken to us in his holy and inerrant word. The fields around here, I walk some of them every day, they're surrounded by various hedges. There are some that are really ancient dry stone walls, and I'm always fascinated about how, how they're built. But you can have rambling hedges, you can have lots of nettles at the moment that sting you like crazy. You can have wire fences that if you put your hands on, they cut your hands. And you can have trees. But these fences are something to try and keep the sheep in one place, especially around here. But the fields that Jesus is speaking about in his word, in his parable, are very different to that. They would have been very narrow strips of land, uneven, irregular in shape. And they'd all be crisscrossed by various narrow pathways of hard-packed dirt, which defined the boundary, if you like, of each allotment of arable land. And the paths were not formed by any planned scheme, but much rather by the regular traffic of feet or cartwheels or animals' hooves. So the description of the seed falling along the paths in Jesus' parable is not intended to be a criticism of the farmer sowing his seed. That, you know, well, he just didn't keep the seed in bounds. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Rather, our Lord is saying that this is what ordinarily would happen in every field, given the irregular shape, the narrowness of the land, and that how they were crisscrossed by the various pathways. In every field, when seed was broadcast, some of it would always fall on the path. And those pathways were impenetrable. They were as hard as pavement. And when the seed fell on them, there, was, there it sat, just sat on the, without ever sinking in. So notice the way that Jesus uses the image of this particular response of the human heart to God's word. First of all, to give us a diagnosis that we must face. Because look how he puts it in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his hand, in his heart. What, what exactly is the problem here? Why does this heart not produce any fruit from the seed of the word that was sown in it? Well, notice what the problem is not, first of all. It is not that this person has not heard the word. When anyone hears the word, Jesus says, so this is a hearer of the word. The gospel seed has been sown. 
They cannot object on the day of judgment to the dreadful sentence of condemnation that waits for them by saying, I didn't hear the good news. No one ever told me about Jesus. This was not true for this class of hero. And I really encourage you, if you're able to come and hear John's Gospel this afternoon, because this dovetails with this so well. These are people who've heard the word. But the issue is that the word of the Gospel has never reached them, penetrated their hearts. Their hearts are so hard-hearted, they're so convinced that they are right, and unreceptive, so the word sits on the surface, never sinking in. And Jesus is exposing a common pattern for many who come to church or watch online. Why they do it, I'm not quite sure. What benefit do they hope to receive if the word never penetrates their hearts? Maybe some attend church because they have a long-established habit. That's how they were raised. That's how their community gathers. That's where they meet their friends. They can't imagine doing anything else on a Sunday morning. Come to church out of habit. Muscle memory compels them to attend. And maybe they do get some therapeutic help from coming to church. Maybe it offers a sort of emotional catharsis. They feel better about themselves at the end of the service, baptising their week-long worldliness with a dose of church. Maybe to grant themselves some kind of psychological absolution as they face a new week. But whatever the motivation for watching online or for attending church, for this type of person, all their diligence and listening to the sermons or coming in person the fact remains, the word has never penetrated the hard-packed ground of their souls. And an hour or two after the sermon is done, they couldn't tell you what was said. Probably more interested in the first place. Much less, much, much less give an account of its meaning or its importance. It hasn't occurred to them that God is speaking in his word. That the word preached is the voice of Christ himself calling upon them to repent and believe. And if a video recording of their lives were to be replayed and we watched them week in, week out, coming to hear the word, we would see it made not one slightest difference to the way they lived their lives, or the way they thought, or their convictions in the wake of the preaching that they had heard. Their hearts, we have to conclude, are Teflon-coated, non-stick. The seed bounces off. But what a terrible spiritual condition to be in. And all the more terrible, of course, because people never realise their danger. They're oblivious. So this is a diagnosis to avoid at all costs. Do not be a roadside hearer, Jesus is saying. Don't let the seed of the word sit on the surface of your heart where it does no good. Is yours a Teflon heart? A non-stick heart, where the word of Christ just bounces off. Is your heart so set in what you think is right, that the gospel doesn't penetrate? And if you are, you're in a dangerous spiritual condition. So there's a diagnosis you must avoid. I hope it's not a diagnosis in your case. And secondly, there's a danger that we must face up to. 
So why is it perilous to be a waysider, roadside hearer? To have an unreceptive heart? Well, look what happens. Because the seed lay exposed on the surface, the birds of the air come down and devour the seed. And the birds are, you know, the seagulls are fairly big in, in Cumbria. If you go, the closer you go to the nuclear plant, the bigger they get. Well, that's probably my imagination, isn't it? But it's, there are some great big birds down, down, down by Whitehaven. They can, they can take whole lunches away. But anyway, the, the birds of the air can come and devour the seed. And interestingly, in Luke's account of the parable, the birds are not the only threat faced by the seed. In Luke's account, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path, was trampled underfoot, before it says in the birds. So if the birds don't get the seed, the traffic will. I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, it's probably poor, but if you imagine, I wasn't going to say if you imagine driving down the A66, but it's so slow, it probably wouldn't matter. But if you're driving down the M6, for example, and you threw a handful of grain out of the window, and so the grain covered the M6, what chance does it have of bearing a crop on the M6? None. Because if the birds don't get it, it'll be pulverised by the next Arctic that comes along. Eddie Stubber. So, so that's Jesus' image. When the seed sits on the hard-packed surface, the traffic on the road will crush the seed of the word. So if the gospel doesn't get in, if the gospel of forgiveness, which also means how we treat one another. If that never gets in and it just stays on the surface and it makes no impact, the constant traffic of our busy lives, and we're busy, aren't we? People are busy 24-7, will trample the word and render it fruitless. I think in our day and age, people don't spend enough time in the word compared to our previous generations. Because we're so busy, anything to think about God's word. And then what is left, the birds will snatch away. The metaphor explains the work of the devil himself. Jesus wants us to understand the threat that we face. The devil hates you and is active in pursuing your destruction. So he is deeply invested in you not taking church or the scriptures seriously. Not taking me seriously, not because of anything I am, but because the preaching of the word is the word of Jesus himself. The devil wants you to not take it seriously. I'll quote C.S. Lewis this morning and this afternoon. This morning positively, this afternoon negatively anyway. But C.S. Lewis in this, the screw tape letters, he has the senior devil screw tape explain the experience of one of his subjects to his demonic protege, Wormwood. And this man was reading a book one day and its contents began to stir in him questions, longings for spiritual things. And he begins to ask questions about eternal realities. So Screwtape intervenes by making him terribly hungry for lunch. And Screwtape told Wormwood. Once he was in the street, the battle was won. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past. 
And before he reached the bottom of the steps, I had gotten into him an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he's shut up alone with his books, a healthy dose of real life was enough to show him that that sort of thing just could not be true. That's the danger we must face. I hope, I hope you can see it. But if you feel a stirring, if you feel a stirring to get right with God, if your conscience pricks your heart, don't let it be crowded out just because you're hungry or you're busy. Or I remember you know, someone saying, 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 saying to me, in Vienna, James, I think a lot about exercise. I think I, I really think a lot about it. And then I go lie down and the feeling passes. It's a, it's a similar kind of thing. Jesus wants to, us to, this to serve as a warning to shake us from spiritual complacency. Satan and demonic forces are watching to see what opportunity our carelessness affords them to wreak havoc in our souls. He's always vigilant, vigilant for the possibility of hard hearts where the seed of the word never sinks in. So even now, the enemy of your soul is casting your eye, his eye over this congregation, weighing your response and mine, testing our sincerity, looking for indifference, looking for hard hearts. And when he finds them, it's a simple matter for him to snatch away the word you hear but have not welcomed or received with a well-placed distraction, a Cornish pasty or two, a carefully crafted deception too. Not there's anything wrong with Cornish pasties, of course, but he's predatory and opportunistic. So beware the schemes of the devil. That's what Jesus is saying. So don't think to yourself, I have plenty of time to get serious about Jesus later. I can leave the word of God just sitting there without any worries at all. I'll have more opportunities to deal with it. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get right with God, with that person, later. But today, just let me relax and enjoy life on my terms. Friend, you're vulnerable to the birds of the air devouring the seed that Jesus has sown. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from ever getting around to dealing with the claims of Jesus for yourself. He will tell you anything. He'll make any bargain with you today. Of course you can take all the time you need to engage with the gospel for yourself. It doesn't have to be today. Tomorrow you can pray. Tomorrow you can face your sin. You're too busy today. You have such a stressful time. You deserve time off. And when tomorrow comes, if it does, there'll be more excuses and objections and deceptions and lies. Of course there will be. And if you aren't careful, before you know it, you'll be standing before the Lord Jesus on Judgment Day. Your life having run its course and your unreceptive heart never responding to his word. That's the devil's strategy. So be warned. Please don't let the seed of the word just lay untouched on the surface of your heart. So it's a diagnosis to avoid. What a state to discover if your heart is unreceptive and a danger to be faced if the seed never penetrates. And then finally, there's a duty to fulfil. 
What is the big issue for this type of hero? Why is his or her heart so hard? Well, what does the text say? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. So do you see here the fundamental issue with the roadside hero? He doesn't understand the word. Understanding is key. Understanding is not all that is required of us to be sure. We must trust ourselves to the gospel. Repent of our sin in light of the gospel. But without understanding the gospel, we cannot do any of the rest. The seed of the word takes root in our hearts through understanding. The key to fruitful hearing is understanding. 2 Timothy 2, Paul calls Christians to diligence in the pursuit of godliness. He talks about soldiers who refrain from being entangled in civilian affairs. He talks about athletes who compete according to the rules. And he talks about farmers who work hard to produce a crop. And in verse 7 he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. Two sides of the command. Our duty is clear. We're to think over the instruction given, to study it. It is the call of the Christian to study the word, to apply ourselves to its message, to interrogate it that we may grasp its main ideas. Think over what you're being told, Paul says. That is our task, that is our duty. But there's a divine promise, the Lord will give you understanding. A saving, fruitful understanding of the word of God is the gift of God, freely given to all his people. But we mustn't neglect our duty to think, to engage our brains under the excuse that we're waiting for God to give us understanding first. He gives understanding to those who engage their brains in pursuit of understanding. Think on what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Think, work on it. That's the duty the Lord Jesus presses on us. If the word is to bear fruit on our lives, we must strive to understand and to come to terms with its message. So as we close, we must engage our brains and not simply let it wash over us. Firstly, take seriously the urgency of understanding the gospel. How do we become understanding fruitful hearers? Well, the first thing is, don't forget, today is urgent. It's the best day to be serious about knowing God and the gospel. Today. You have today. You may not have this afternoon. You may not have tomorrow. But today, the scriptures say, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So the first step in becoming a fruitful hearer, not an unreceptive roadside hearer, is to take seriously the urgency of understanding the Word of God. It is urgent. It is pressing. Satan is roaming around. He's opportunistic. He won't let the seed of your word, the Word sit for long. So today is your moment to be serious about Jesus. Today, right now. Secondly, pray to God to help you understand. You cannot hope to understand the gospel without the help of the Spirit of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. The natural person does not accept 
the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That is to say, they are discerned by the work of the Holy Spirit. If you want to understand the Gospel, the Word of Christ to you, cry out to God for the help of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful habit to be in, to cry to God for the help of the Holy Spirit to help you understand His Word. That you would see Jesus in His Word. Prayer, believe in prayer, pleading with God for the help of the Holy Spirit. That is the magnifying glass that helps our dim spiritual sight see the truth. So cry to God to help you understand. Be urgent. Cry to God. And thirdly, develop the skill of Christian meditation. I think because the word meditation, sometimes evangelicals run a million miles the other way in case we're, we're doing some kind of mindfulness or something. But there is something very blessed about Christian meditation. Search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. When the Bible is read, when the Bible is preached, have the word open in front of you. I think it's a good habit to have the Bible with you when we come to worship. I know we have had screens and COVID doesn't make it any better, but have a Bible with you. Follow what has been said. I encourage you to become a Berean. I can, you know, I've told you, be a Berean. Remember the Bereans in Acts 17? When Paul preached to them, Luke said, they received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That, that, that is what the Bereans did. Be a Berean. So when the preacher says, look at verse 10, look at verse 10. Check out his arguments in light of the, the teaching of the text of scripture. Follow the cross-references. Get used to reading your Bible. And when, 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 a little, when it says underneath a verse, or that verse is taken from Isaiah 40, read Isaiah 40. Become a student of the Word. Compare Scripture with Scripture. Read the Bible at home. That's a novel idea, but read the Bible at home. Do more than simply read a Bible in order to tick a box. Oh, brothers and sisters, develop the skill of Christian meditation. It, it is just another name for imitating the best preacher you know and pressing the truth of the Word of God home to your heart and your conscience. Take a text of Scripture and ask good questions of it. Has it ever you crossed your mind to ask, well, who wrote this? Why did he write it? What's its function in the context? What is the big idea, the teleos of that verse? Why is it important to the overall argument of this chapter of this Bible book? And what difference does it make to me? What, what difference does it make to my relationships? How does this text help me to pray? What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about my sin? What does it tell me about Jesus? How can I pray its message on behalf of others around me? Christian meditation is coming along behind the farmer who's spreading the seed and with your finger pressing that seed home. Pressing that seed home, one seed at a time. So the seed is being broadcast this morning in the preaching of the word. So go back all week long and press it home into good soil. 
And finally, come to Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus Christ. Be sure in every sermon, in every text you read, whenever the Bible is opened, to look for the main thing, which is always Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Sally Lloyd-Jones says in her, in her the children's Bible, which I think is still one of the best Bibles around, she said, every page whispers His name. Every page tells you about Jesus. Every page tells you about Jesus and Him crucified. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in John 5 for making this fundamental mistake. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. But you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Their problem wasn't they weren't familiar with the Bible, they were students of the scriptures. It wasn't even that they were wrong, but they looked in the wrong place for the wrong thing. It is that the scriptures bear witness about Jesus. And they weren't looking for Jesus. So they refused to come to him that they may have life. You can give yourself to the study of the word of God and think that by your diligence you can have life. That God is impressed that God will reward you. But the message of Jesus is on every page. And the seed of the word will always remain on the surface if you misunderstand that the heart of the message of the word is Jesus. He has done everything to give you eternal life. And the word of God preaches that message of grace and mercy. And if you miss that, you miss everything. You can do a hundred things, all commanded somewhere in the Bible, and die eternally if you don't come to the one of whom the scriptures speak, who alone can give you life. That's why I wanted to open with that hymn that we sung. Spread the news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Don't miss Christ who calls to you from every page of the scripture. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. There's a diagnosis that we must avoid. You see it in the passage. That unreceptive hard heart. That's a diagnosis we must all avoid. What a terrible thing to have a heart that is impervious to the word of God. Secondly, there's a danger we must face. Beware the opportunistic attacks of the devil who won't allow the seed of the word to sit for long on the surface of your heart. Be warned, take action. So there is a duty we must fulfill. We must understand the word. Nothing is more important than to understand the word. Call out for the help of the Holy Spirit. Learn the act of Christian meditation and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. The message of the word is the message of the cross. And only by faith in Jesus can the word bear lasting fruit. Well, may the Lord bless you. And may the word bear much fruit in your heart this Lord's day. For his name's sake. Amen.